Asshole Court is a bi-weekly podcast in which a group of lifelong friends choose a controversial public figure and examine their history through available public records and various publications to determine if that person is as much of an asshole as the general public suspects. We rate the subjects on a not-so-scientific scale, ranging from Mr. Rogers to Hitler, 1 to 11, and average out the three scores in the end for our final number. Just a reminder, our judgment has no legal weight, is strictly an opinion, and is subject to change at any time, especially in the case of new evidence. It shouldn't be taken seriously, so just don't. In 1849, Samuel Thompson was arrested for scamming unsuspecting people out of their money and watches. Reporting about the arrest, James Houston, a reporter from the New York Herald, called Thompson a, quote, confidence man, and the label stuck. Ever since then, the public has been fascinated by the tales of the con artists. Con artists, flim-flam men, hustlers, swindlers, whatever you want to call them, there is something oddly intriguing about people that spend their efforts tricking people out of their money. Enter the subject of today's show. The latest in a long line of people made famous for developing a skill set with the sole intention of separating people from their wealth. In a story that could have been written as a made-for-TV lifetime movie, Anna Sorkin, or as she is more famously known, Anna Delvey spent the better part of her early 20s convincing people that she was a fabulously wealthy European heiress. We've covered other con artists on the show, but what makes Delvey's story as a con artist all the more fascinating were her targets. These weren't unsophisticated retirees with little knowledge of the world, or young people like hell-bent on spending their money. Nope, they were the wealthy and elite upper crust of New York and Europe. What would possess a young woman to attempt such a feat? How was she able to do it? Why is this con artist's story big enough to warrant multiple books and movie deals? Sit back and relax while we attempt to answer these exact questions on this episode of Asshole Court. All right, so first of all, just want to thank you all for your continued suggestions and ratings and reviews. They are legitimately helpful in so many ways. Suggestions give us ideas for content, like today's show, coming from Instagram uh, user CritiCat. The ratings improve our standings on podcast forums, and the reviews provide us with both pride and amusement. For instance, it's great to hear that we've made listener Valco 93s awful warehouse job bearable. That means a lot, Valco 93. Sincerely, I've held a warehouse job before, and it can definitely be soul-crushing. We hope that this shout-out makes your workday even better, buddy. And then we have Artie Two-Shoes, who is not pleased with our, quote, disgusting, toxic male opinions about women's appearances. Oh, yeah. I like that one. Yeah. Sounds like somebody listened to our Mama June episode. Now, to be honest, I do take some exception to this, Artie Two-Shoes. I mean, I just want to point out here that while we may be disgusting and toxic, we definitely don't discriminate in our superficial observations. For instance, we made fun of Papa John Schneider's appearance just as much as we did Mama June's. So we hope you take uh, that into account when you listen. Yeah, I think that was uh, one of the first things that Mikey said on the show was like, I just really can't stand his face. Yeah. And yeah, we're we're equal opportunity. I read the one star reviews more than I do the five star reviews. Yeah. We appreciate the five star reviews. though. Don't go get any ideas and think that you're going to get a shout out for giving (laughs) shitty reviews, dudes. Anyways, all right, keep coming with suggestions and ratings and reviews. It's a huge help for us growing the show, okay? So now let's get to Anna Delvey 
preliminary scores. Buddy, what you got? All right. So I had never heard of Anna Delvey before Critty Cat suggested it. Mm-hmm. And so um, I've kind of got to just, you know, run with that. She's not been on the news. I mean, maybe if you live in New York or something like that, I think she's a little bit more up in the front pages uh, that way. But I really did not know anything prior to doing the research on her. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to give her my standard 5.0. And um, I have a feeling she's going to jump up quite a bunch mm-hmm. based on the research that we did. But uh, yeah, for a pre-show asshole score, Anna Delvey's got a 5.0 for me. All right. Randy? All right. So same bucket. You know, I uh, didn't know much about Anna Delvey, but the whole world, I think, is going to know a lot more about her once. I think it's HBO and Netflix are both coming out with shows yeah. about her. There's yeah. book deals. There's everything. Yeah, about coming this. out in the next six months. Um, I think there's going to be a central theme behind some of the uh, the cons that she pulled off. Horniness. Oh, oh. horny dudes, right? Like, oh, really? She wasn't an ugly lady, you know. And I think just having that uh, that sexual appeal, um, and dudes, you know, oftentimes think with the wrong head. So I think maybe that is going to play a factor into some of the shit that we learned about today. Off the rip, um, 5.5 is what I'm going to start her with. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Good place to start. Yeah. Mikey, what do you got? Uh, So, again, I had very superficial knowledge about this lady before Critic Cat mentioned it to us. And, um, I mean, it's pretty basic, right? You, You know her for one thing. She's a scam artist. So I don't like scam artists. That's a pretty easy six for me. Yeah. I actually like the the term that you threw out in the opening, the uh, flim flam man. Flim flam man. That's my favorite right yeah, there. Yeah, that's off. Did they call that on uh, the Simpsons the uh, monorail, or they call him the flim flam man? <laughs> I think you're right on yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. There's, I mean, they're they're out there. They're just, dude. There's con artists everywhere. It's just crazy that this story got so much traction, which is sort of what we're gonna dig into here. Yeah, I actually have a, a quick story I'll share about getting hustled one time. Oh, yeah. Uh, so. Back in the day, I had an above-ground swimming pool in my backyard. I remember it well. It was great. Yeah, some kid uh, from our high school came over and lost his gold bracelet. And the bracelet had actually fallen off his wrist and gone under the deck. And you could get under the deck pretty easily, and I found it. And uh, we went to a pretty shady uh, flea market to get fake IDs one time, and I was wearing (laughs) the gold bracelet. And me and uh, a buddy were walking up to the front. These two guys approached us, and we're like, hey, man, uh, you guys want to play this game? And we were like, what's the game? And he was like, follow the paper ball under oh, the Oh, three-card money. Oh, yeah, yeah. three-card money. And, uh, you know, he's like, for every game, it's $20. You don't have to pay up front. And uh, he's like, watch the ball. And, of course, he does it once. And I pick the right cup. He's like, all right, here you go, $20. But now we got to play double or nothing. And I was like, all right. And um, anyway, long story short, that man wound up taking that goddamn gold bracelet off of my arm <laughs> and uh, leaving me for fucking just standing there in shock. Man. In the parking lot of a shitty flea market where I then went inside and got a fake ID. So you yeah. just, you didn't give the guy's gold bracelet back? <laughs> no. Yeah. I actually went to my car to find some sort of weapon because I was enraged and wanted to fight. And all I had was a big can of corn in the back, like a this value-sized can of corn. Weirder. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I was walking around the parking lot looking for this fucking bum that I was going to smash with yeah. a can of corn. The didn't, flim flam man. Didn't find him. Yeah. That's what, yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, man. There you go. Last act. <laughs> you got that gold bracelet on. Homie. That's right. That's right. Uh, what well, comes right. around goes around, I guess, right? Yeah, you got your- Karma's a bitch, Randy. Yeah. yeah. But that guy never got his bracelet back. No, he didn't. <laughs> he did not. All right. With a 5.0 from Buddy, a 5.5 from Randy, and a 6.0 from Mikey, Anna Delphi's pre-show asshole score is a 5.5. 5.5. Okay. All right. That's going to land her between Ty Cobb and Vince McMahon on her giant scale of yeah. assholes. 
Yeah, check yeah. that out. Uh, we have it uh, listed on uh, Instagram and uh, Twitter and stuff like that. It'll give you some context for all these scores, fellas. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies, ladies and gentlemen. All right, so let's get uh, Anna Delvey. Let's do it. Let's crack it. Anna Sorkin, a.k.a. Anna Delvey, was born on January 23rd, 1991 in the Moscow suburb of Domodedevo. Say that again. Domo de Devo. Okay. Yeah. That's right. Absolutely. Side note, like I said, her real name is Anna Sorkin, but for the sake of simplicity and to avoid confusion, I'll be referring to her by her pseudonym from here on out. She's much more famous for Anna Delvey anyway, so that's just what I'm going to go with. Yeah, that's how she presented herself, and that's what everybody knows her as. And I would confuse her with Annika Sorenstam. Yes. Yes. Who has a mustache? Yes. Hell of a golfer, though. Yes. There isn't much I can find about her youth aside from some vague sense of a relative middle class existence, because in case you didn't know, Russia was pretty fucked up in 1991. Just eight months after Anna is born, a failed coup attempt against Mikhail Gorbachev results in the collapse of the Soviet Union. So she's born in the Soviet Union, one of the two world uh, superpowers at the time, and then it just dissolves. It had to be like very strange times for her parents. Because it isn't as simple as just changing a flag and president and carrying on. The Soviet Union wasn't just a nation or an empire. It was a culture, like an economic theory in practice, bastardized as that may have been. Seemingly overnight, the largest state-owned, planned economy in human history evaporated, and this left most of the country's population in uncertainty. As the Soviet government had provided everyone with guaranteed access to food and housing and other basic needs, they suddenly found themselves stripped of their savings, jobs, and social security. Yeah, I heard that it was uh, actually kind of crazy for if you were a Russian astronaut during that time. There was one Russian astronaut that was literally in space when this went down. Yeah, and he was kind of just like stuck up there like, guys? Yeah. Hello? Yeah. Hello? Yeah, he literally was like, he was the last Soviet. Yeah. I think they wrote a book about it called like The Last Soviet. That he just had to wait for someone to come pick him up. So he left a Soviet citizen and came back and was like, I guess I'm in one of these other places, dude. <laughs> Yeah. My, my dad had a joke growing up on a piece of paper. He would draw like a fork on the left, a plate, and then a knife on the right. And what looked like scrambled eggs and a piece of bacon. And you're like, what is that? And he's like, that's the view from the top of Mikhail Gorbachev having dinner. Cause yeah. 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 Like that. Yeah. Yeah. The disillusion of the statement that all of the businesses owned by the state were now effectively auctioned off in the largest bankruptcy liquidation in history. There's a, actually a really good Netflix special about that, about how people would go over to Russia at that time and just, you know, like buy tanks and like oh, buy yeah. submarines and yeah. stuff like that. And yeah. like at wholesale prices, too. Oh, well, I bet and the drug cartels are like fucking racking up. They, that they did. There yeah. was a really good documentary about these dudes that went over there during that time to buy a submarine to, to, to ferry drugs. Yeah. Uh, but and that's what I'm saying. So uh, there were like plenty of people that were waiting in the wings to take advantage of this liquidation. For instance, the ZIL, which is Zavod Amini Likachova, which is, that's tough to say. Likachota. Likachota. <laughs> Likachota. Uh, it was a vehicle-making plant that once employed 100,000 workers on a large real estate property in the center of Moscow, which was sold for a mere $16 million. Jeez, Can you man. imagine that, dude? Picking up the entirety of a manufacturing operation that employed 100,000 people, its machinery, buildings, and his prime real estate in Moscow for the cost of a well-used Gulfstream jet. And I looked it up just to get some context, because you can pick up a 15-year-old Gulfstream for about 18 to $21 million. Jeez, huh. man. Yeah, it was the wild, wild west back then. So many fortunes were made, dude. So much shit went down. Like if, you, like I said, I'm, we're, we're going to get into this, because it was just, like I said, it was a free-for-all. 
with the most politically and economically connected Russians utilizing their contracts to enrich themselves via the possession and sale of previously state-owned assets. Seriously, if you find this period of history interesting, take some time and read about guys like Oleg Deripaska and the Russian Aluminum Wars. It's some real gangster-ass shit. This era marked the formation of the Russian oligarchs, which were like Russians with money and power beyond belief. Not to mention an almost laughable penchant for flaunting their newfound wealth in the most ostentatious ways possible. Chalk it up to nearly a century of being forced to live modestly, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And scared the whole time, you know, and then all of a sudden, Big Brother's off your back and you're like, yeah, I got shit. Come yeah. on. Yeah. You know? I mean, the, the biggest gangster in the world right now is a guy named Simeon Mogilevich. And if you read about this guy, he has a master's degree in economics. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they they educated the hell out of the Soviets. If you were smart, you were going up the, the, the ranks in economic, whatever it was. And he is literally the biggest gangster on the planet now. Huh. Wow. What does he do? Just pretty much the, the, like organized crime. Or? Yeah, it's a totally organized crime. OK. Like he's actually like the people are you. I don't know how realistic this is, but they are you that Putin is his puppet. Oh, wow. Hmm. Yeah. If you read about Simeon Mogilevich, you're just like, wow, this is a different class of criminal. Because like I said, they're highly educated. And then do you have this opportunity here where it's like a free for all, dude? And like I said, dude, they're selling off submarines. They're doing all this stuff like that. But the problem is for the rest of the country, they didn't fare too well. No, they were left out in the cold. Basically. Yes. The economic devastation was eye watering. Russian economic output fell by 45% during the 90s. The economic output decline at the height of the Great Depression was 30%. So 15% more. And death rates increased from 1% in the 1980s to over 1.5% in 1994, which is equivalent to over 700,000 deaths annually. Jeez, man. That's 7 million additional deaths throughout the 90s because of, I mean, well... Per, for every 700,000 yeah. every year. Correlation so, yeah. isn't necessarily causation, but, but right. seems pretty pretty serious. Now, why am I bringing this up, right? That's what I was asking yeah. myself. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I said without going much like without going too much into Anna's youth, I think this is the best lens to view her early years to get a sense of her upbringing and the larger forces that brought her to her situation today. Her parents undoubtedly were caught off guard. Their entire lives had been lived in the Soviet era. It was all that they knew, right? And then one August day, it was all over. And sure, like a lot of people say that the Soviet people probably saw it coming, but that wasn't necessarily the case. A lot of Soviet citizens were caught completely off guard, with Anna's parents most likely being in that group. Suddenly, their economic future was opaque. And Anna spent the first 16 years of her life in that world, a world in which those like Russians with connections leveraged them to get ahead, and in some cases, to make shocking fortunes. Yeah, Absolutely. I'm not giving her an out. I'm just trying to understand her better as a person. And Why? Like, it's just context yeah. of how she grew up and where she came from. Right. I mean, just like, well, yeah, if you're seeing that going on, like, yeah, maybe that sort of sinks in at some point. And you're like, okay, well, if I have connections, this helps. In 2007, Anna's family left Russia and they settled in Germany. Anna went to school, which is called the gymnasium. A gymnasium. Yeah, is that what it is? That's right. That's the gymnasium. Yeah. That's what uh, they call school in Germany. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, Randy uh, has a German background. That's right. Which is when we'd always eat dinner, that we would do a prayer before you ate, which was, how did you finish it off? Gesegnete Mozart. And that means? Blessed meal time. Oh, my okay. God. I haven't heard that thing in like. 20 years but now yeah. it just came and hit me right back into the mm-hmm. head like and it came from my mother's side of the family and my grandfather 
spoke German in his house growing up as a kid. Yeah. I found his old school books yeah. on his farm. They had some, uh, an old building with a ton of his old shit in there, and his school books were in German. Oh, wow. Yeah, in like the northern half of Michigan. They were still speaking German in like the early 1900s. Rough time for those dudes. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Fucking krauts. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, for real, imagine though. That would suck. You're German, all of a sudden World War One's happening, yeah. and you're like, uh, yeah, we're not on those guys' team. They're like, well, speak English then. <laughs> Nine. Oh, shit. Hide the books. Yeah, my Hide the books. My grandpa's name was Elmer. So, yeah, he was German as fuck. Elmer Fudd. So, wait, Elmer Fudd is German? All day. Really? Wow. Yeah. I don't know. German it glue. Good, right? <laughs> <laughs> like German glue. That's what it is. Man. Yeah, so she goes to gymnasium <laughs> and uh, it's like Eichweiler and was described as quiet by her classmates. And this might be due to the fact that she was also described as having struggled with the German language. Guess that's as good a reason as any to not talk that much. Of course. I mean, you get you move to somewhere at like 15 to a different country. That you haven't really studied their language. Yeah. yeah. Dude, You're, I give people all kinds of credit when they move to a different country and just yes. pick up on the language, especially moving to America, because yeah. English isn't the easiest language to learn. It's, it's very hard. It's the hardest yeah, language Yeah, exactly. And they, you know, they're like, oh, I, I watch TV and I learned how to speak English. Yeah. And I'm like, God almighty, because you listen to German or you listen to Russian speak with the Cyrillic alphabet and shit. I'm like, God almighty, oh, what that, the fuck? These like noises you're making. I don't know what's going on yeah. right now. That's my uncle. He came over from Brazil and we watched cartoons all the time when I was in high school. Elmer Fudd. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And Bugs Bunny and stuff like that. Yeah. And Animaniacs. <laughs> and uh, His first English words. Yeah. What's up, Doc? Hey, yes, yes. <laughs> what's Rabbit up? season. Duck season. <laughs> Kill the wabbit, kill the wabbit, which is the greatest Looney Tunes cartoon of all time. The kill the wabbit scene. But no, I mean, that's, it's always amazing when you have people like make fun of people for their accents. They're like, you don't speak English too well. You're like, dude, I mean, I hung out with uh, some Russian friends and stuff like that. And and like my, my old boss, they were Chinese and like they would apologize constantly for their lack of like English. And I was like, I don't speak any of these so like you're a like worlds ahead of me dude that's such an american like train of thought like oh, yeah. they speak multiple languages and we're like <laughs> you said the wrong now in all fairness so the parisians are notorious for like not if, even if you speak fluent french if you don't speak it properly the parisians are going to take a They'll dump you. on your face oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> i went to paris and poo -poo. oh i i don't speak a fucking lick of french and i was trying to find somebody that spoke english to help me find the right they won't subway do it car. they're like fuck you uh, they literally scoffed me and led me in the wrong direction mm -hmm. yeah there oh, you go. Man. parisians are notorious assholes man. <laughs> yeah uh and we're gonna get into that too which nice. is great. Oh, fantastic right. so anyways after she graduates she moves to london to attend the central saint martin's which is basically like an art and design school and school does not go well and she returns to germany but she doesn't stay in Germany for too long. In 2010, she decides to head to Paris to pursue a degree in fashion. Oh, fashion. Which, what is that? I and mean, minor in hand jobs, because I think you have, <laughs> oh, yeah, you have to be doing something, earn some money to live I don't, there. I don't understand. I mean, I get it. But I feel like uh, fashion is sort of a thing there. It's, it's almost, I don't know, maybe the fashion business I get. But I'm like, in terms of like fashion itself, isn't it like sort of just a intuitive thing like that looks good i think this is like people that are we have listeners that are probably like dude you're a fucking moron i'm like i get it but i don't now i did i i had a a girl i knew before that she went to art and design school and she designed shoes or whatever so i, I guess there's some value in that but it's just a weird degree to 
Yeah, but I mean, I wonder, is it kind of like the same how, you know, uh, all a lot of artists, aspiring artists will move to Nashville to try and, you know, cash Mm -hmm. in on that? Mm -hmm. But if you go and like watch the videos of Fashion Week in Paris, it's crazy. The shit they wear is just insane. It's like a a cardboard cutout box that they're wearing that they painted and they're like, oh, this is five thousand dollars. I've had this conversation with that very girl that went to to art school and designed shoes and um. I was just like, I just don't get it. She's like, it's the cutting edge. So they're like literally like laying out the front line of what fashion can be. And then more reasonable fashion takes things that they like out of that and, and like puts it into their lines. Influences their lines for yeah. the upcoming season or right. something now like that. Now how you have like a police siren on top of your head. I don't think that you're <laughs> ever going to be able to buy one of those at TJ Maxx. <laughs> Only at Spencer's Gifts. <laughs> I saw that one time. The guy had literally like a police siren on top of his head and you're like, okay, this is some performance art bullshit. <laughs> yeah. And I'm an art fan. I'm an art fan. You guys know this. I, I like art and I appreciate art, but some art is just horseshit. Of course. And you're like, this is nonsense. Like Jackson Pollock, Suck my dick, dude. Anybody can fling paint. Don't care. Picasso, I, I get it. Picasso didn't have to paint that way. He could paint the other way, too. Like, he painted great first and was like, you know, I'm going to do some weird-ass shit. But if you're just Jackson Pollock flinging paint, if you're some guy that's like a, art, like a fashion designer, you're like, I'm going to put a fucking siren on someone's head. Man, fuck you, dude. Yeah, I lasted about an hour and a half in the Museum of Modern Art. Yeah, yeah. I went and saw the... The stuff that was, you know, worth millions and millions. There was a giant picture of the dude sucking another dude, and dick. that was my cue. <laughs> and I'm out. Not that there's nothing wrong with that, right? But whatever. I that was I did. I literally left and went to a bar across the street and drank yeah. while my family was enjoying the museum. And like I said, you guys know I like art. And when I'm in New York, I don't go to MoMA. I go to uh, what should we call it? Uh, the other one, the big one. Shit, <laughs> you're asking the wrong yeah, guy. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the, I'm sorry, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. Okay. Because yeah. there's also like a historical stuff there, which is interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, anyways, all right. So, uh, like I said, she goes to Paris to pursue a degree in fashion. In Paris, she takes an internship at Purple, which is a fashion, art, and culture magazine. In Paris, working for Purple, three things click with Anna. One, she decides that fashion is cool, but art is really where her passion is. Two, the name Anna Sorkin just doesn't really roll off the tongue. Anna Delvey sounds much more sophisticated. And three, working alongside all these influential people, all of these wealthy and powerful and cultured people, well, Anna decides that that is where she belongs. Trouble is, Anna doesn't make much money at this gig. It's an internship after all, which on a side note, lucky for her that she makes any money at all as an intern because I just recently learned that in some professions, for instance, in the medical field, the intern actually has to pay to work which, what the fuck is that about, dude? Like Medical students have to pay? Not all the time. But our friend Jenny McMohan and some other people I know, they had to pay for their internship at a hospital. That's insane. Mm. Yeah. Let me pay you to work here for free. Yeah. Like, how is that not hobbling lower class people to try, that are like trying to improve <laughs> their lives? Hey, bro guy, way to get through school and everything like that. By the way, if you want to <laughs> hang with us... Oh, you can't afford lunch? Good luck with this fucking career, you know what I'm saying? That's nuts to me, dude. Yeah, that's that's crazy. Hey, True Crime listeners, check out our podcast, I Said Goddamn. We're a true crime comedy podcast hosted by two besties who like to share messed up cases that make you say goddamn. Every Sunday, we try to one-up each other's story by sharing a horrific case the other has never heard of. 
Along the way, we splash in some wildly inappropriate jokes and colorful language. Listen every Sunday from any of your favorite podcast directories. Also, follow us on Twitter at ISGDpodcast or visit our website, isgdpodcast.com. Anyway, Anna only makes about 400 euro per month at her at her purple gig. Uh, and she's like still entirely reliant on her parents to pay for her apartment in Paris and likely everything else, because I doubt that 400 euros is getting you very far in Paris. Oh, it was 100 euros a week. Do you remember what her minor was? Hand, Hand jobs. jobs. <laughs> now, Randy, Just speculation. Randy, you spent a good time in Paris. I've never been to Paris. Yeah. How expensive is it? Scale of one to 10, about a 12. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Isn't it one is of it the more most expensive, expensive cities in is it, Europe? Is it more expensive than New York? Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. London and Paris are about on a similar level. Obviously, in London, you're using the pound, mm-hmm. and in Paris, you're using the euro, but everything costs more, and everything is smaller. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And I'm not talking like just... The refrigerators are like a college dorm refrigerator yeah. most yeah, of the yeah, time. Yeah. The chairs are built for people that weigh about 120 pounds. Yeah, if you want to freak a European out, show them the fucking biggie size at, at Wendy's. They're like, what the fuck is this? Oh, yeah. This is my bathtub. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're exactly right. Uh, but no, everything everything is expensive. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Man, that's crazy, dude. I, so yeah, 400 euros a month. That ain't shit. Yeah. No. Uh, around 2013, Anna and her boyfriend break up uh, big time. All right. And this was tough for Anna, which is understandable because, I mean, as a lot of our listeners probably remember, those breakups in your early 20s fucking hurt. Oh, they're rough. You know what I mean? Especially before the frontal lobe is fully developed. Your life is over. Yeah. You'll never love again until you do. Until next week. That's it. Uh, So she uh, decides that she's going to go ahead and kick off to New York City around the same time and perhaps to get some distance from her newly ended relationship. uh, She's going for fashion week. Here she spends time in the city, but also a good bit of time in the Hamptons. So, I mean, we all know what the Hamptons is. Yeah, and nice. living that life. Yeah. And New York, she getting up there? Like, that's hoity toity land. Purple. Okay. I mean, Purple is like one of those magazines, like, like I said, Vogue or something. Yeah, pretty much. Right. It's, it's so, yeah, you sort of get clued in on this stuff. Yeah. So in New York, she finds it easier to make friends. Those Parisians are known for being jerks, after all, like we just talked about. Of course. So she decides to make New York her new home. She transfers her internship at Purple over to its New York office. After a while, though, she quits her internship. And this is where, as the New York Times put it in one article I sourced, quote, the striver Anna Delvey became the grifter Anna Delvey. Anna Delvey changed her story from the truthful former Soviet slash Russian citizen who moved to Germany with her upper middle class parents and came to New York by way of Paris via an internship at a fashion magazine to an extravagant but much more interesting lie. In New York, she became Anna Delvey, art connoisseur, philanthropist, and German heiress to a $60 million fortune, one which she would receive on her 25th birthday. Yeah, from like a billionaire father or something like that. That's a way cooler story. It is, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. She talked about like, yeah, her, her father was super rich. He was... um According to who Fajer. Mein Fajer. <laughs> mein Fajer. Very rich. Uber rich. Uh, yeah, she would tell people that he was uh, in the oil business or he was in renewable energy. It was always an energy thing. I don't know why she glommed onto that, but, you know, it's whatever. Yeah, like solar panels or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, like, how, you know, how did she pass this off? Right. 
Well, all that time that she had spent in Paris and New York as an intern for Purple Magazine had given her front row access to the playgrounds of some of the wealthiest and most influential people on the planet. She just had to take notes. Yeah, and I also read a little bit about her saying that she kind of had this like air of aristocracy about her where, you know, it's like whenever she was hanging out with people and maybe like they couldn't pay for something, they'd be like, she'd be like, what, you don't have the money for that? You know, like yeah. and not in a very condescending way, but just more like you, you never know, think like, about it. you're just like well, money's a problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. And right. that's what a lot of people said about her. And, you know, yeah. when she was staying in hotels for extended stays, mm-hmm. um, she was always given. Every tip was like a hundred dollars, you yeah. know, and so it was like it just kind of played into that role of, you know, it yeah. seems like she could be. Some and they weren't of- extended stay hotels. They were extended no, stays in were. very nice hotels. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's social credit, man. I mean, really, you know, she played the part and she'd mm-hmm. seen how they had acted like right. being around these people was like. Uh, people don't get that. And like, we'll cover this you know, as we go through this. But it's like it's a different world, man. It's oh, a different, a very different world. Um, you know, we have some friends that are, uh, you know, fairly well to do and stuff like that, but that's like a whole different level. But even them, it's just money's like a different, it's a, it's a concept. Could yeah. you imagine tipping people a hundred dollars a pop? Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a fucking cheapskate at heart and I get poked fun at sometimes for now, I tip well, but a hundred bucks is fucking crazy. Oh, yeah, I, just I, to like I, I take your well. bags up to your room or something yeah. like that. You know, can you imagine tipping the comfort in and sweets guy a hundred well, bucks to dude, take your bag to the room i'll tip you a hundred dollars if my bill is 500 well 20 percent. yeah yeah that's pretty much how it works <laughs> you know what i'm saying uh but yeah she she used her connections to gain access to places where these people would be in attendance once there she would like schmooze with them and talk up her passion project her philanthropic opus the anna delby foundation think of it like a private club for wealthy art enthusiasts and a museum all wrapped into one most of the art would be accessible to the general public for a fee during business hours. They wouldn't let me in the door. <laughs> they would look at me, probably ask me some art trivia question to get access. Oh, no, you could go in there and pay the fee. You just maybe not like, yeah, you wouldn't be like part of the inside circle of it. It's, you wouldn't you, get up to the second and third floor. You know, we would I'd be, be the guy in the lobby the that floor. drank a little bit too much. And they're all kind of looking down their nose at me like, what the fuck? How did this guy get in I've here? been to Paris. Yeah. 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 I went there. Yeah. Randy's <laughs> European vacation. You ever seen that shit? Yeah. You went, I mean, like, you went to MoMA, right? I did. And you didn't I love it. it. <laughs> but yeah, like no one, no one stops you at the door. They're like, you look like a sports fan. Stay the fuck out of here. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, it would be, it was like, it's a museum, yeah. essentially. But like for the wealthy, they would pay a membership fee, basically, to have open and special access, which included like private events and dinners, not to mention the built-in networking ability with other wealthy members. And this is like one of the reasons rich people often pay so much to become members at certain like country clubs and whatnot. It's all about access. Yeah, of course. So I read an article um, when she stayed at a certain hotel in New York. She would get, became friends with the concierge. Yes. Um, and the concierge, you know, obviously was not super well to do, but would get these hundred dollar tips, but kind of developed into a friendship. And it would bring down like a glass of wine after dinner and just sit and kind of talk to her for a while, you know? Sure. And one time she invited her to one of her dinners and she was sitting at a dinner table next to Macaulay Culkin. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, she was like, I was in complete shock. Like one of my childhood favorite actors was sitting next to me. She's like, I couldn't ask him, you know, are you, uh, how is it to be the grandkids or the godfather of Michael Jackson's kids? Um, He said it was just a very normal conversation at the table. 
But uh, yeah, just imagine that, right? Like well, going to a dinner with your rich buddy and Macaulay Culkin sitting next to you. Yep. Yeah, because I mean, you live there in New York, but you don't have access to that circle, right? You know, and then yeah. all yeah. of a sudden you get, th- you know, like you're there at the table. You're like, oh, oh, yeah. oh my god, yeah. You got to play cool, man. Like, hey, that's, 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 which actually is really interesting because there's a really great show on HBO called Succession, uh, which has Kieran Culkin. Is that his wife or that, no? No, sister? Kieran Culkin is his brother. Okay, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kier, so Kieran Culkin, like, oh, he's in the commercial I've seen. Yeah, yeah. okay, I know you're talking about. Succession yeah. is an amazing view of that sort of extravagant wealth in New York. I can't like recommend enough, dude. Like, they do such a good job of showing what their life is like that you're just like it's as a it's, it's, it's a whole nother. It's world. a different planet. Yeah different planet dude and, right in uh, front of your face and you never see it yeah it's like roughly based on like the kids of rupert murdoch and and, and, okay. his, and okay. his like fox news and stuff like that it's a dude oh yeah i've seen uh, some previews for that me yeah. and my wife got into it the first season like you watched a couple episodes and you're like all right you know but then like it's so good that you're just like it, it's you're just gawking at how insane their life is and they don't even seem to realize how insane it is you know what well, I'm what, when you're born into that that's yeah. all you know so i mean like what else is there? You yeah. know what I mean? Huh. Yeah. HBO, what are you, rich? Yeah. I mean, I'm <laughs> Karen Colgan rich, bro. Yo, I need to get that login info, son. Yeah, yeah, you can have it for sure. I'll put it out here on the air. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, so anyways, like she, she's got this whole thing where she wants to uh, like make this big art, the Anna Delvey Foundation. And that was like the overarching structure of her con. Although, to be honest, I think she really did want to achieve this goal. Like she didn't. She wasn't playing this game. I think she was like, I just got to get to this point. Fake it till you make it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. 100%. You, I was going to go on for like a paragraph and uh, yeah, Randy just summed, summed, summed it up. It there you go. Six words. Perfect. <laughs> it's perfect. Yeah. Brevity is the soul of wit. Good job, buddy. <laughs> Thanks. Um, <laughs> that sounded really smart. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and it's an interesting enough concept that it gets her like a serious audience with a number of influential people in New York and beyond. People like hotelier Andre Balaz, real estate developer Abby Rosen, and Gabby Andres Calatrava, architect and son of uh, Santiago Calatrava, who is one of the architects that was involved in like the One World Trade Center. Full disclosure, I don't have a fucking clue who these people are. I was about to oh, say, like, I don't know who the fuck you're talking about right me now. Me and Randy are sitting over here like, uh. Yeah. I was like, then again, though, I'm not like a New York social climber. Ah, call yeah. a trauma. You know? yeah, 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 exactly. You know, I mean, we can at third base for the Yankees we at some can ask point. Yeah. Buddy's brother probably knows who these people are. I was just about to say, yeah, he's sitting there going, yep, uh-huh. yep, yep. Oh, uh-huh. yes, yep. yes, mm-hmm. yes. Had lunch with him. To sell his idea of herself as a wealthy European heiress, she stayed at fancy boutique hotels, ate at fancy restaurants, Tipped people like $100 at a rip, you know what I'm saying? Ordered fancy champagne wherever she went, all this stuff. She played the part, and people just assume that this is what it is. But, like, to be perfectly honest, like, in terms of the sheer dollar size of her grift, Anna Delvey is practically Bush League when it comes to historical con artists. She, she, really she, tell me more, Mikey. Yeah. <laughs> she's a rookie flim flam man? She is, yeah. I mean, the truth is, as far as I can tell, here's like a definitive list of her big hits. As a con artist. One, she convinced an up-and-coming Chinese art gallerist named Michael Zufu Huang to pay for her trip to an exhibit in Venice. Score of around three grand. Okay. She convinced Blade, which is kind of like an Uber for private jets, to cover her flight from New Jersey to Omaha to attend the Berkshire Hathaway conference until she could have her banks wire the money over. Score of around thirty-five, thirty-six thousand $36,000. Okay. Uh, and perhaps most famously, she befriended a regular plebe. <laughs> Rachel Williams, who happened to work at Vanity Fair in the photo department, 
talked her into an extravagant trip to Marrakesh, Morocco, and then at the last second convinced Williams that she was having temporary baking issues. Uh, and Williams put the whole trip on her credit card with the understanding that it would be paid back upon her return. Psych! Yeah, <laughs> it wasn't. Grand total, it was like $62,000. God damn. Now, you know, uh, Williams uh, wrote a book about this, and it was like, you know, like, I got hustled by Anna Delvey and kind of exposed her to the whole New York scene. And due to that, she actually landed a spot, an interview spot on our boy, Dr. Oz. Yeah. And, really? Uh, she, yeah. Was, she made the rounds, bro. Uh, she deposited fraudulent checks, which netted her around $70,000. And then there's the numerous hotels and restaurants that she got over on. Likely hundreds of thousands of dollars in damage. I mean, you know, it's certainly nothing to shrug off. But in the world of scam artists, she's a long way away from the king. Bernie Madoff. Yeah. Right. Well, I think that that was one of her, uh, they talk about that's one of her smart things that she did is that she didn't go for the big hedge fund guys. She kind of swam more in the small fish territory mm -hmm. and just flew under the radar and they just kind of chalked it up like, ah, oh, fuck it. You know, what's yeah. what's what's 20,000? You know, fuck it. You, you know? know, the chick from Vanity Fair, you put a fucking $60,000 bill on my credit card and don't pay me back. <sighs> yeah. I'm going to fucking fight you. Well, yeah. That and was she, the and thing. She, that was well, more than her salary for the entire that's year. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. You know? Rachel, Rachel Williams was like, that's why I called her a plebe. Yeah. She's one of us. <laughs> one of us. One of us. Uh, But yeah, I mean, so like, you know, all told, like the the, the her scams were not super profitable right so like why is this such a big story and honestly i i think it's the psychology of it like number one a lot of people are fascinated by the lives and lifestyles of the ultra wealthy and the and like the powerful and this is like a glimpse into that life right oh robin leach had a show that's right the lifestyles, lifestyles of the rich, rich and famous. famous and number two and we haven't rehearsed that that's just off the cuff <laughs> yeah, ladies and gentlemen yeah. that's it we're, we're so in tune with each other <laughs> Like number two, like I said, a lot of people, including myself, and I'm, I'm sure Randy and Buddy here, are just fascinated by swindlers and con artists, right? Like it's just a weird thing that occurs, right? Well, they look at that and they kind of mention that uh, it, when you do a little bit of research on her, they talk about how it's like you kind of overlook the fact that she's screwing people over, and you kind of get enamored with the fact that she's like, yeah, sticking it to the to to those rich bastards. Well, yeah, yeah that's what I say. And number three, if you combine these things. And it's the wealthy and the powerful that are getting scammed. Well, you've got your peanut butter and my chocolate, bro. When you hear about like an elderly woman getting her pension ripped off, it makes you feel bad. But when you hear about wealthy people being taken to the cleaners, I mean, that's a different story altogether. I mean, be honest. It feels not bad. Like maybe even kind of good. We've said it before, man. Americans love to see people fail. It's true. 100%. You know I mean? And that's where you're like, yeah, stick it to them. You know, like, all right, you did something wrong, but you fucked over the rich. It wasn't the poor that you were fucking over. Right. You fucked over the rich. So, yeah. yeah. You still watch that show on the guy that scams the old woman, like on the phone. You know what I'm saying? But this one, you're like, oh, yeah, fuck you, dude. <laughs> if someone ripped off Jeff Bezos, like they, they literally put a petition out to not let Jeff Bezos come back from space. Yeah, I saw that, yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And like, all, all things aside, like, Amazon has some interesting practices, but I'm like, man, it's real easy to hate the super rich. You know, side note, I could kind of see Jeff Bezos being that old guy from the movie Contact, who was like the financier <laughs> for everything. He was like that old bald-headed guy. Yeah, Randy, Randy's sitting here right now completely confused. You're right, I have no clue what you're talking about. <laughs> oh, man. So, like, with this in mind... I'm going to focus on the psychology and the assumptions of the Anna Delvey case, right? 
first, like, whenever I hear these stories, I'm always thinking, like, how the fuck do people fall for this type of shit? You know what I'm saying? So, like, I'd like to take a more instructive look at how con artists operate and apply it over the work that she did on her, quote, friend, Rachel Williams. I think a lot of it's probably FOMO. It, well, I'm, I'm about yeah. to break this down. This is how a scam works. A flim flam works. Flim flam. Hustle. The first step is called foundation work, right? This is like, in this case, the scam artist uh, makes preparations uh, in advance, and that includes like hiring of any assistance required or studying the background knowledge for the role. Anna Delvey got like a great education in the behavior of the wealthy and the culture during her time at Purple Magazine. The jet set class has like a certain air and a culture all of its own. It's very insular. You know what I'm saying? Like it's not, you're, these aren't regular people. Yeah, I think like cruel intentions, yes. like uh, that mentality. Yeah. And not everybody gets access to it. But Anna did through her work at the magazine that focused on fashion and art. Two hobbies shared by many of the ultra wealthy Ultra elite. You know what happens when you put fashion and art together? Farts. Fartion. <laughs> this is why we're not elite. <laughs> we're not part of that circle. Yeah. Intentionally or not, like, Anna Delvey absorbed the mechanics, like the pageantry, the language of the ultra wealthy, right? Eventually, she would begin to mimic what she had absorbed in order to pass herself off as a wealthy heiress and to great effect. This is what we talked about. She yeah. figured out this is how these people operate. Like you were talking about, buddy. Like there's a thing where like money is just sort of a weird concept where they're just kind of like, oh, you, you don't have it. You can't fly to Turks and Caicos this weekend. Like, I mean, when is your fucking trust money coming in? Yeah, exactly. Then you have the approach. Okay. The approach is obviously the victim is approached or they're contacted. In regards to Rachel Williams, I don't think that like Delby sought her out as a target. She no, wasn't. I she wasn't it, hunting her down. No, I don't think so. It just she just happened to be collateral damage. Yeah, I mean, I was, it's not like Williams was like a big fish. She wasn't famous or wealthy or powerful. Uh, she did have like an interesting job at Vanity Fair, and perhaps that was enough to like draw Delvey's attention. Mm -hmm. They worked the same thing. They did photography at magazines, and there you go. Vanity yeah. Fair, obviously, much more famous. They were in purple. the fart circle together. That's right. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly what uh, Williams said. She was like, I had heard about Anna Delvey. Uh, she was kind of in the circle that I was in and I saw that she had a bunch of Instagram followers. So when mm -hmm. I had the chance to meet her, I was kind of just enamored by her. Yeah. Williams herself described the encounter as happenstance. She said, quote, I first met Anna the year prior in uh, early 2016 at the Happy Ending, a restaurant lounge on Broom Street with a bistro on the ground floor and a popular nightclub past the bouncer one flight down. It's called the happy ending. I know. I was, I was like, like, Randy's about to explode right here. He's just <laughs> I, was like, about say, I was about to say, this has nothing to do with back in Paris when Randy was talking about her second job. Yeah. Minoring in hand jobs. Yeah. The happy ending actually was just one of those trendy restaurant names with like a grotesque uh, name. But yes. <laughs> Double innuendo. God damn. You can come up with something better than that. I mean, it fairly worked. I mean, these are rich people showing it's where up. Where the fart circle hangs out. Is it the fart happy circle. ending? <laughs> do you have a show subject you think would be a great fit for Asshole Court? Hit us up on any of our social media pages and let us know. As you know, we're full of good ideas, and some say we're full of other stuff, but we'd love to hear your ideas as well. Give us a shout and maybe your subject will wind up in our courtroom. We'll definitely give you a shout out. Let's dive back into the courtroom. She said, I can't remember which arrived first, the expectant bucket of ice and stack of glasses or Anna Delvey, but I knew that she had appeared and with her came bottle service. She was a stranger to me and yet not unknown. And like Buddy was talking about, she was like, had seen her on like Instagram and all that shit like yeah, that. Yeah, she had a big following on there. So she was kind of in, enthralled in that yeah. sense. I it's, think we've talked about it one time before. 
we got the chance to be VIP in a club one night. Do you remember this, Mikey? Uh, yes, we've talked about this on the show before. Oh, my God. I felt like oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. a an anim- years an or something animal like in that? a cage. Yeah, yeah. we were at this it was pretty- a friend. It was, it was a friend of ours, uh, uh, again, like one of our wealthier friends. And yeah. They, it was his wife's birthday. Yep. And we went to this real happening club in Atlanta where I stuck out like a sore thumb. And uh, we, yeah, we were up in the VIP area with bottle service and the whole nine yards. And dude, it felt like you're an animal in a cage because people would walk by and look in there like, oh, he's not famous. Who yeah. the fuck is that guy? <laughs> hey, but to, I guess I got like own. super drunk. I did yeah. too. Well, what else are you going to do? It's like free <laughs> vodka. And you're like, whatever, dude. And then you're seeing like some dude like a fucking, you know, vertical striped shirt, like grind on some chick at a bar. Doesn't even realize that uh, he's doing it. Yeah. But on the flip side, I mean, when you have that much money and you have all that disposable income, and you kind of feel like you are a little bit better than everybody else. You want to be kind of separated yeah. from everybody else in the club and make them feel like, who is that? Ooh, you yeah, know, yeah. like, yeah, you get a box suite at the Falcons game. That's uh, that's well, how I yeah, do it. You know, a big sports fan. I mean, me there personally, I would just buy a big piece of property so I don't have to fucking see anybody ever again. <laughs> uh, but, you know, to each their own. It's important to remember that unlike in the movies, grifters are usually juggling many cons like all at once. Not some singular earth-melting con like in the movies, right? They have to do this because a lot of their con angles fall through. Additionally, smaller cons can be used to set up larger cons. Sure. Right? I always think of George Costanza. When he talks about living a lie, this guy was like, I can't do it. It'd be like, I'm living a lie. He's like, I'm living like six right now. Yeah. 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 Now you have to do, like I said, all those small ones stack up. And then you're, like I said, the long con for her was her Anna foundation. Delby foundation. Yeah, the yeah. foundation. Everything else is like, I'm living this life. And it all sort it's of. It's just inter- a step up the to the platform. Yeah. Long story short, Williams was just added into the mix as Delvey worked anyone and everyone that she could. She was just like a victim of opportunity at that point. Right? And it was, and it was also just timing also because Anna's green card was uh her visa her visa was expiring at the time so she had to leave the country so then you have the build-up right and then this stage the victim is given an opportunity to profit from participating in the scheme right the victim's greed is encouraged such that their like rational judgment of the situation can be impaired sure now in the case of someone like rachel williams the scheme isn't so much explicit as it is implied williams didn't believe that delvia was going to plug her into like a million dollar scam she was merely convinced that she was being allowed behind that velvet rope, allowed to participate in the fabulous life of her new ultra-wealthy and connected friend. The greed required to suck in the mark still existed. It just looked a little different from like the more straightforward cons. Sure. It's not like, oh, hey, I'm going to put you in this thing. You're going to make millions of dollars. Instead, it was just like, hey, welcome to my life. All you have to do is be my buddy and you get all this access. Yeah, she's not a player in the big scheme of things. Right. She's just now just like, hey, why don't you come along with me? Yeah. From William's own article about their relationship, she said, quote, Anna intrigued me and she seemed eager to be friends. I was flattered. She isolated herself and I felt privileged to be one of the few people whom she liked and trusted. Through past experiences, both personal and professional, I was casually accustomed to the lifestyle and quirks of money people. Though I had no trust fund or savings of my own. Her world wasn't foreign to me. I was comfortable there. And I was pleased that she could tell that she accepted me as someone who, quote, got it. Quote, we balanced each other. I normalized her eccentric behavior as she challenged my sense of propriety and dared me to have fun. As an added bonus, she paid for everything. Yeah. So she was just kind of like along for the ride, but mm-hmm. also helped ground her in the process. Right. Yeah. So the buildup is set, right? Now we move on to the payoff or the convincer 
In this stage, the victim receives a small payout as a demonstration of the scheme's purported effectiveness. This may be a real amount of money or faked in some way. In a gambling con, the victim is allowed to win several small bets. Ah, right? just like yeah. Randy in the cup game. Yeah, the three-card money. That's yeah. right. At this point, Rachel Williams has been let behind the curtain, if you will. She's experienced a life of ostentatious wealth via Anna Delvey. The trust in Delvey's story is fully in place. Why wouldn't it be? She's seen Delvey live in fancy hotels, eat and spend extravagantly, and like jet set around the globe. But all of this has been peripheral. She's gotten dinner and drinks out of their relationship, but there hasn't been anything too extravagant. And I mean, honestly, like I, I remember reading the story and the way that she describes the way they would go and have dinner was very reminiscent of the book American Psycho, which was literally written to make fun of like super wealthy people in New York. And like, they're like, oh, yeah. I mean, it's like they're just name dropping like the clothes that they're wearing and the food they're having and the famous chef that makes it and oogling over the different business cards. Yes. Yeah. And, like, it was, whether it had the raised lettering on it yes. and stuff like that. Give me about four liquor drinks and I'm just going to dig into those motherfuckers if they. Yeah. I yeah. Don't know. I don't, yeah. know. I don't know if I could fit into this circle of people, as we've I, kind of discussed. I, I don't have any desire to. Uh-uh. I don't think any of nah. us could, and that's why we get to talk about them that's here yeah. on the show. But I mean, I've, that was the beauty of American Psycho. It was like a, a hard take on like the absurdity of like New York wealth in the 80s and how everybody was trying to one up each other about how like great their lives were. And everybody was just fucking miserable. And then you throw in horrible murder scenes for entire chapters. Which was not great, but the rest of the book was very good. But Christian Bale did fantastic in that movie. Oh yeah, he absolutely, did. absolutely did. But like I said, so she's 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 clued her in on this life. This is the life that Rachel Williams thinks that she wants. Uh, but she's peripheral, right? But and then one day, Delvey springs it on her. Right? She said the vacation was Anna's idea. She again needed to leave the states in order to reset her uh, ESTA visa. She said instead of returning home to Germany, she suggested we take a trip somewhere warm. It had been a long time since my last vacation. I happily agree that we should explore options, thinking we'd find off-season fares to the Dominican Republic or Turks and Caicos. Anna suggested Marrakesh. She'd always wanted to go. She picked La Mamonia, a, I think that's how I pronounce it, a five-star luxury resort ranked among the best in the world. And knowing that her selection was cost prohibitive for my budget, she nonchalantly offered to cover my flights, the hotel, and the expenses. She reserved a $7,000 a night room, a traditional Moroccan villa with an interior courtyard, three bedrooms and a pool, and forwarded me the uh, confirmation email. Due to a seemingly minor snafu, I'd put the plane tickets on my American Express card with Anna promising to reimburse me promptly. Since I did this all the time for work, I didn't give it a second thought. No, and she talked about that, you know, Mm. like... She's like, oh, I'll just cover it, you know, and Anna will hit me back. It'll be no problem, you know, yeah. like, but fuck, man, that's a lot on my credit card. But it's like 63,000 bucks, I think. It ended up at being the end that. of the day. This is, this, yeah. this is where we're getting into the payoff. But like, you wouldn't question that at that point if you're her because you're like, yeah, because oh, it's like maybe like six, seven thousand dollars at that to point there. Yeah. just to get there and stuff like that. And she talked about it like once she got there. They were going out like they went out on a little day trip and she was kind of going through different markets and stuff. And she wanted to get a couple dresses, but her credit card kept getting declined. And she was like, hey, just throw this on to what, you know, to what I owe you and I'll just hit you back on the end. And that's when the kind of red flag started to go up a little bit. But she was like, all right, well, I mean, what's three more thousand on top of the seven? She'll just wire it to me. No problem. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's a social credit. Again, remember, she's acting like money's not a big deal. She's like, oh, this is just a bank problem because I got to wait for my parents to wire me over money from Europe. 
because think of all the meals that she had covered at this point, all mm-hmm. the drinks, all the different, you know, little excursions that they had done in New York. Why are you going to question it right now at this point? Right. So now the trap's been laid. Now we go to the final phase, which is called the hurrah. Hurrah. Right? In which uh, a sudden manufactured crisis or change of events forces the victim to act or make a decision immediately. This is the point in which the con succeeds or fails. At the time of their departure to Morocco, Williams is like undoubtedly on cloud nine. She's about to experience a week of exotic luxury that almost nobody gets to enjoy. A villa with a pool and a butler and all of it's like entirely paid for. And yeah. like masseuses and stuff that are coming in. She's seen a friend just go and just order like off menu at restaurants. She's like, this is the greatest thing ever. Obviously, we know how this ends, but Williams certainly didn't at the time. She spent the week enjoying it all, feeling very lucky. Sure. Said, quote, Why wouldn't you? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. She said, quote, we spent our first day and a half exploring all that La Mumania had. I, I think that's it. I don't I, I really feel bad about not being up. If anybody this. in the uh, uh, listening to the show knows, you know, let us know in the comments. <laughs> Any of our Moroccan friends out there, all four of you, <laughs> uh, all that La Mumania had to offer. We roamed the gardens, relaxed in the hammam, swam in our, our villa's private pool, took a tour of the wine cellar and ate dinner to the intoxicating rhythms of live Moroccan music before capping our night with cocktails in the jazzy Churchill bar. I wonder what the primary instrument in a Moroccan music is. A Morocco? A Morocco. <laughs> <laughs> Again, this is why we don't live amongst the elites. <laughs> Randy's Morocco joke. With land initially, and then with yes, <laughs> I would just get looked at in the yeah. fart circle table. Yeah. No, I think that on on the private jet over, they'd be like, "That's pretty good." And then you get drunk later and be like, "The Morocco joke," and they'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, right, right. Uh, Randy would pull out maracas. Yeah, you know, yes. and they'd be like, "Oh God, <laughs> what did we get ourselves into?" In the morning, Anna arranged for a private tennis lesson. We uh, met her afterwards for breakfast at the poolside buffet. Between adventures, our butler appeared as if by magic with fresh watermelon and chilled bottles of rosé. So I'm going to put it out right here. Rachel Williams can also fuck off. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh my God. <laughs> hey, but at the same time, man, like you're just, you're, you're like living it up, man. That's like a vacation yeah, I of got, a lifetime. I've got, yeah. I mean, like as a plebe, as we've done. Yeah, as we've, I feel you. But I'm just like fresh watermelon. And I'm like, bitch. And just say he had a good time. I like watermelon. I do too. <laughs> and wine. I, I mean, I do too, but I'm like, when they're like, the butler showed up with fresh watermelon and some chilled rose. She works for a magazine. She's a writer. She's. I never thought I'd get pushback on this. I thought we would all agree <laughs> this bitch sucks. All right. Rand, Randy hates art, but he loves watermelon and chilled rose. <laughs> it was a dream, right? Until it wasn't. Because, like, slowly throughout the course of the trip, Anna begins having problems with her bank and essentially asks Williams for what amounts to a bridge loan. Quote, I scanned the store's rack as Anna tried on a bright red jumpsuit and a range of gauzy sheer dresses. Anna went to pay. Her debit card was declined. She said, uh, I asked her, did you tell your banks that you were traveling? And uh, Anna said, no. Then I wasn't surprised that uh, such a purchase would be flagged. Anna asked to borrow money, promising to reimburse me the following week. I agreed, careful to keep track of the receipt. We wandered the Medina until dusk. Back in the van, we went directly to La Sultana for dinner. I paid for that too, adding it to my tab. When all is said and done, she leaves Marrakesh with the understanding that this is like a temporary issue. Well, what ended up happening was about halfway through the trip, there was people from the front desk and managers and stuff. They came to the villa 
and they were like, you know, having a big disagreement. And they were like, there was no active credit card on file. Right. So Anna was like, hey, I'm in the spot right now. Can we just put your credit card on there? But it'll get resolved before we leave. Right. And because Williams was leaving before all of it ended, she was like, all right, fuck it. We'll just put my credit card on there. But, you know, I'm leaving beforehand, you know, before the other people are leaving. So they'll just resolve it. Right. When everything's done. That's the hurrah. That's what it is. Well, you that's just pinned the- her. You pinned her. Now you don't have a choice. What are you going to say? No. Yeah, exactly. So she was like, ah, I'll go back to, you know, uh, uh, okay, yeah, sure. Man, when we traveled out of the country, went to Europe, went to Jamaica, stuff like that, I spent damn near like two weeks leading up to it prepping to make sure that my debit cards, my credit cards, everything that I would need there to work would work. I physically, so you can call the bank and tell them, oh, I'm traveling. No, I fucking went to the bank. Mm -hmm. I was like, here's where I'm going. What's going to work? And yep. like, and this was right when the chip cards oh, yeah. were Started coming come out. out. Everything in Europe was chipped already. America yep. was just starting to do it. And they're like, give us four or five days. We'll get you a chip card. Yep. So fucking glad I did. Yeah. Um, there was only one place. It was in Amsterdam where my I couldn't get money out of an ATM. But yeah. it didn't. It wasn't like you know yeah. make or break. So I, I think that's exactly what Anna played on. She yes. was like, yeah. I, I I'm sorry. I didn't, the, I didn't call the. I didn't call the bank. She's so rich. She doesn't have to care. I'm so right. they, that's, that's just, the sell. Yeah. Like and she was like, your credit cards might even get declined. You know. I'm sure you didn't call your banks and tell them that you were traveling to Marrakesh. You know. She's like, no, I did. Yeah. 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 She pinned her. She pinned her for yeah. like sixty-two thousand dollars. That's exactly. And then what's right. crazy? It didn't even happen in a sense that like she knew it immediately. She said when they got back from the trip, cause she was like, "I'll I'll pay you back." Well, I mean, everybody knows it's not. You know, that, that's a plebe knows that that credit card interest carries over month yep. to month, actually day to day. Yeah. Uh, and it, she was like, I, "I thought basically that like by the end of the month she would kick me some money." Because American Express, you got to pay back the same month. Yeah. Or you yeah. get drilled. Well, and that's part of it because Anna was, it was like Williams was saying, she didn't just ghost me. Like she was every day, she was texting me back and forth. And, but every day there was some kind of excuse like, oh, sorry, you know, uh, I, my one fund is empty, but my parents are going to be, you know, putting yeah. the money in there. Like, what are you all worried about? Like, yeah, don't yeah. worry about it. Like, psh, I'll have you tomorrow, yeah. you know, and just kept on going and going and going. And that's it. That's how a scam works. Right. Yeah, there you go. There is the architecture, the blueprint for a scam. Yeah. Which is what she just laid on to poor Rachel Williams, who uh, I don't feel that bad for. Um, but <laughs> I mean, I feel bad for her getting her money ripped off and stuff like that. But she's definitely like she's took she took that sixty two thousand dollar L and reversed it into like a million dollar win. Yeah. She, like, okay. All the all the books and the movies that are coming out. She sold. Yeah, 100%. Oh, wow. Okay. All yeah, right. She yeah. got a New York Times number one bestselling book out of it. Oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Man. So she, t- yeah, she definitely yeah. turned that L into a W. Yeah. So, like I said, so there's the way it works. There's the assumption on like why this happens. But like I said, let's go back to the assumption that Anna ripped off the wealthy, right? Mm-hmm. This is, which is one of the tastier ingredients of this stew. That's not really true. All huh. right. It's a good story and one that gets people interested, of course. But the reality was that she didn't get any heavy investors for her Anna Delvey Foundation. Sure, she hung out with the rich and the powerful, but they didn't seem to take her very seriously. Remember that Chinese guy that uh, she took advantage of for like three grand? William Hung? That's right. William Hung. <laughs> that's, a, that's a shout out to anybody that's over the age of 30. William Hung. Was he American Idol? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I love it. <laughs> that's fantastic. So uh, he detailed her relationship with the rich and powerful this way. He noted that everybody at the party that Delby had thrown, that she invited him to, seemed to be someone. 
and many from the world of like real estate, finance, and venture capital. But in chatting further with his fellow guests, he learned that most did not actually know Delvey, but had been invited by like a public relations specialist that she'd hired. Hmm. Yeah, the, the con runs steep. Yeah. Once you realize this, the story becomes like infinitely less interesting. In fact, it proves that a lot of the rich and powerful people that she saddled up to didn't really think of her as anything other than a social gadfly. Yeah. You want to feel like she's just like crushing these rich people, but even they were like, this bitch ain't shit. And that's why I said she was kind of circling the the smaller fish because she knew that the bigger fish would have eaten her up. Right. So it sounds like my initial um, presumption of... What happened, right? The horniness. Yeah, line, not really there. It wasn't there. Yeah. Not really there. Once man. again, I'm proven wrong. It's okay. Hey, it's all right. But the, the important thing did. is that you understand that, and that's a huge. That, that we should all be able to admit that. Hey, you know, I yeah. miscalculated. I'm wrong all the time. Yeah, me too. Yeah, ask my wife. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but her lawyer did kind of go from that angle when she gets to court, and we can kind of dive into no, that. No, good. Yeah. yeah, no. When she goes to trial for uh, a number of things, in that. Her lawyer kind of played up that like he was like, you're kind of cute. Why don't we just kind of get you a bunch of really cute outfits? Yeah, but she's not. I and mean, like, I mean, I don't I mean, my personal opinion, I don't find her. Yeah. Didn't you say she looked like uh, the friend from uh, Workaholics? Yes, she looks like Jillian from Workaholics in my mind. You know yeah, what I'm but I mean, she kind of tried to run that angle and none of the jury believed her and none yeah. of the jury saw that. And they ended up finding her guilty for, yeah. you know, I mean, don't get me wrong. R2D shoes or whatever it is. Like <laughs> I'm not being mean. I just don't find her all that attractive. I mean, she's not hideous. This or is like fucking that. toxic, Mike. Yeah, it is. I'm sorry. My toxic masculinity for pointing out this lady just as like pretty much a five. <laughs> and I also am a, if I'm lucky, I'm a five, so it's totally okay. You know what I'm saying? I know my place. You're at least a six, Mikey. That's, Come on. That's fine. I mean, well, you guys have seen my dick. That's different. Now, that's that, more like a two, but. Damn. <laughs> all right. Fair enough. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, it's, it's, she didn't go rip off all these wealthy people. They did not give her a ton of money, which is what forced her into the actual act of trying to defraud a bank for capital. And this is where she fucked up, man. Yeah. This is where the charges come from. Did she go to jail for screwing her friend out of $62,000? No, no not, not at all. all. Those I'm charges, not guilty on those charges, right. as a matter of fact. Those charges were invalidated in court. She went to jail for trying to pass off fake records to get money from a big boy bank. Yep. And following her arrest and confronted with the fact that the game is over, Delvey was offered a plea deal, which she refused because she said it was like too much time to do in prison. It was a three to nine year deal and she ended up like not taking the plea deal and, and copying four to twelve. I think with yeah, if I can't if I remember correctly, it was like she tried to get credit through one financial institution. They told yes. her no, and she went to another financial yes. institution to get it, and they approved her, but said, I need a hundred grand up front yep. for legal fees. Exactly. And she had right. like other people in like Europe that she had hired that were trying to like confirm all the money that she had oh that, like that that was the bank that actually was going to extend her the credit she went back to the first bank that told her no and talked an employee into letting her overdraft her account that's right that's how she got to the 70. get the 100 grand or the 70 grand yeah, they put like 155 in and then yep. like cashed out somehow yeah yeah and then she took that 70 and then continued her lifestyle yeah 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 exactly yeah i mean it was it's not sophisticated you're no. gonna get fucked on that shit you're gonna get caught that's what i'm saying but she had that mentality that, like, I'm not doing anything wrong. And she every interview you hear with her, she's like, I didn't do anything wrong. What are well, you talking so I'm about? Saying, like, the, the thing is, why is this story so big? 
And it's and it's big for the wrong reasons because people think that she's like a genius that outclassed all these super wealthy people. False. Right. And that she's like, you know, what she just slipped up somehow. No, you made a horrible mistake. You know, you may as well just gonna rob the bank. Good thing you didn't have a gun, because now you're gonna get less time. Well, that's the yeah, thing too. Sure. I did nothing wrong. All right, let's think about this in everyday man terms. You go into a bank, somehow walk out with seventy thousand bucks or whatever the fuck it was, uh, that you know you aren't going to pay back and have no intentions of paying back and you spend it all. What the fuck do you think is going to happen? It's right, like not yeah. paying your taxes yeah. for 10 years and be like, I didn't know. Yeah. I, I didn't know wrong. I yeah. had to pay taxes. I mean, say what you want about Bernie Madoff, but that motherfucker was smart. He and he pulled knew, it off. He at least knew he was doing wrong. Yeah. And yeah. he had legitimate credentials. He was the fucking like president of NASDAQ. Like they were yeah. like, he ran that. No, he eventually got caught. But man, he lived a solid twenty years running that shit. Yeah, yeah. God. So, what so, a twenty year run that was. Yeah, and now I can't wait to see when this movie gets made because they're gonna make it out to be like she was like flim flamming like Warren Buffett, <laughs> and it just wasn't the case. Like they didn't even want anything to do with her. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. She caught people for like she caught plebes. She caught dudes for like three grand that were like peace out. She didn't have fucking friends, man. She's not really all that smart. I, yes, yeah, yeah, she's not. Yeah, man. sure. So, yeah. So, anyway, she, and she also, to put a finer point on that, she could have copped a plea deal for three to nine, probably got out in like a year and a half. She said no. So, it's too much time. They gave her four, uh, four to 12. And then apparently she's been in like 30 altercations or like nothing. Where did she go to, Mikey? Rikers. Yeah. She went to Rikers. She went to Rikers trial, yeah. for four years. Yeah. And, uh, well, th- yeah. Dude. They moved her around a few times, but yeah. During the trial, she was at Rikers hanging out. Yeah. But after they finally gave her the four to 12 year sentences, uh, she broke down in tears and apologized to all the people that she had hurt. Totally kidding. She said, the thing is, I'm not sorry. I'd be lying to you and to everyone else and to myself if I said I was sorry for anything. I regret the way I went about certain things. And why would she be? As we speak, Delvey is pinning her biography in prison, which will undoubtedly sell. Uh, when she gets out of there. And it'll likely be like, like a huge publishing house. Yeah, she's out. She got out. Is she out now? Yeah, she got out. All right. Now, one of the funny things was that she went to Rikers and she got out of Rikers, but then she went back to jail uh, due to a couple of other things that ended up coming, maybe po- possible, like I think uh, fraud, fraud. They wanted to yeah. deport her and stuff like that. But when they asked her about it, you know, she was like, this new jail, uh, the scene is pretty dull. It's not like Rikers. Rikers is happening. Like, this new place is kind of boring. <laughs> Rikers quote. is happening. Dude. Rikers is happening. And she was like, I, I, I don't regret my time at Rikers. Like, I, it, it was a happening place. Well, like I said, I mean. She sounds like a sociopath, honestly. She is. Yeah. Any of us would, would probably sacrifice four years of our lives to get paid huge on the end of it. But she didn't know that that was coming on the on the flip side. You know what I mean? It's true. She's but just I'm like, saying like she she has this mentality that nothing I do was wrong, so I don't regret anything. And it's just you know that's where I ended up. I don't regret it. No, I mean, I, but what I'm saying is that like the it's more indicative of society as a whole, right? Like yeah. that 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 she is going to get book deals out of the shit. She's gonna come out. And she's gonna make a fortune. She'll get contacts. Like they'll interview her for things or whatever it is because they're like fascinated by what she did she's made she's made herself a an infamous celebrity but still a celebrity in the same way that like kim kardashian was an infamous celebrity for fucking ray j on tape and i think that that's just like the downfall of of humanity in that sense she just caught a deal from netflix for four hundred and ten thousand dollars 
for her story. Was that her or was that Williams? No, no that was her. Okay, yeah. She so got $410,000 for her story, and that's what's coming out on Netflix. So from what I read, uh, her first big hit after she got out was 140 k in which both banks that she owed money to. First bank took 100 k back, Good. and the next bank, it was Citibank, got the other 40 k Whoever thought I'd be rooting for banks? So now, right, <laughs> so now all the money that she makes goes to an escrow account that is maintained by her lawyer and oversaw by some sort of regulation organization yeah. that makes yeah. sure she doesn't do this yeah. shit again. That goes yeah. into the, what's called the Son of Sam law. Yeah, you can't, in the 70s. You, can't you can't profit, profit off of your yeah. crime. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, so like when they interviewed her at Rikers, uh, one of the they asked her that you know how she felt about Rachel Williams or whatever and what had happened because she like broke down in tears and she was like quote she should try we can hear like yeah no she has no remorse for anything no. she doesn't uh, when they asked her on sixty minutes they were like how do you feel about all the people you've fucked over basically is that what he said basically <laughs> that'd be awesome in a nutshell yeah <laughs> and she was like. Name the people, and I'll let you know if I feel remorse for it or not. Because I don't think I've done anything wrong. Oh, and you know, so she's a sociopath. End of the yeah, day, that's no, what it is. That's what it is. You have to. I mean, to to be a flimflam man, you have to be a sociopath. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, normal people like me feel like uh, I have like before I go to sleep. Sometimes I'm like, I didn't give that guy, you know, the red light enough money. I had a dollar. <laughs> I had a dollar in my ashtray. I only gave him a quarter. <laughs> She's just like, fuck it, dude. But the only thing that uh, Delvey seemed to be honest about uh, was like in a post-conviction interview when she said, quote, I'm not a good person. Oh, well, she actually said that. She said it. I'm quote. surprised that she actually said that. She had her fingers crossed behind her back when she <laughs> said it. But So that's Anna Delvey, dudes. Let's get into final scores. All right. All right. So. Randy, what do you got? Yeah. Um, good learning lesson today. Um, I knew a little bit about what uh, we were going to dive into and kind of some of the parameters around her wealth i was wrong again i'll mention it uh, i thought she was uh playing towards men's horniness yeah. to bilk them of some money and and yeah. take herself to a higher status i of was course. wrong there i'm surprised at you mentioned just the lower level of fraud that yeah. she committed right yeah, yeah. uh-huh yeah. you know, not really that impressive no it's really not i mean staying at the hotels you were fucking hotels over for think about it it's staying in a room for a couple of weeks for free i mean at the end of the day that's not like the worst thing in the world but at the same time, complete sociopath uh, and the no remorse towards any of her victims. Yes. Just fucking rubs me the wrong way, man. If you're yes. wrong, say you're wrong, know you're wrong uh, and try to change your ways. But it doesn't sound like that is the case in the slightest. Not at all. No, 100 percent. So I'm up in Anna Delvey to a 6.25. All right. Yeah, 6. You know what? I'm going to go 6.0. 6.0. She didn't oh, really? Wow. Damn. Okay. Huh? I, no, I went 5.5 five to 6.0. Okay. So Nancy Grace is worse than Anna Delvey. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I'll go with the 6.5. All, right all right, right, all right. all right. All right. So, um, you know, with me, I like to mirror a lot of what Randy just threw out there is that she has zero remorse for anything that she does. She thinks everything that she does is 100% right. And how dare you question me on what I'm doing? But I mean, uh, she does so much bad shit along the way. She doesn't care who she steals from. You know, and, you know, like, on one hand, you can be like, yeah, she's taking money from the rich, and, you know. She never did. Well, I mean, much richer than we are by any kind that of. That girl, that Rachel Williams made the same, she made less than I do. Yeah, but, I mean, at the well, same she time. she got William hung for a couple grand. <laughs> yeah, three grand. <laughs> yeah. Got him hard for three grand. All right, so let's rephrase that. She's, she's hitting up the New York middle class, then, mm -hmm. I guess, if you will, or upper middle class. 
And yeah. she's, you know, kind of pilfering them, not going for the big fish, mm-hmm. but kind of floating around in those circles and trying to promote herself as something bigger than she is. Sure. But still at the same time, she is, uh, she's a flim flam woman. And you know, I just, flim flam, flim flam. I'm going to try and say that as many times as I can. Flim flam, flim flam, flim flam. That's a tough one. All right. But, um, it, I just hate the, she has a very deadpan attitude about her. She's like, I didn't do anything wrong. And how dare you try and say that I did anything wrong? I'm just doing what anybody would do in my situation. And I don't think she, anybody would do what she does in her situation. I think it's a very small percentage of people that would. Yeah. Um, and, you know, like, especially when you look at, you know, what she did to Williams. You know what I mean? Like, she hit her up for 60, 70K. You know what I mean? Like, think like of how... Like her year's salary, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, think of how long that's going to take her to pay that back. Oh, she paid it back pretty quick, though. Yeah, but that was just... No, you're right. Own. Yeah, if, if, it didn't, if it didn't happen the way that it, that she lucked out and got those book deals... Right. Yeah, 100%. Fun, right? Like, totally. how long would it take us to pay that back? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what would that take like out of our... Like a minute. I'm Jeff Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mr. Contact. That's it, yeah. You know, so anyways... um, So, you know, I originally had her at a 5.0, but that was with no research done on her. Um, I think Randy hit the nail on the head, and I think 6.5 is a good spot to have her at. So right. I'm up in her from a 5.0 to a 6.5 as a final asshole score. Okay, cool. I'm going to make it Mikey, real. what do you got? Real short and sweet. Uh, she sucks. She's a scam artist. Scam artists suck dick. Give her a 7. Fuck off, Anna Delvey. All right. With a 6.5 from Buddy, a 6.5 from Randy, and a 7.0 from Mikey, Anna Delvey's final asshole score is a 6.6. Six, six. Oh, six, nice. Six. Yeah. Wow. She's with Anton LaVey. Anton yeah. LaVey. Yeah. So, oddly enough, another huge con man that we've covered on our show, Billy McFarland yes. of Firefest fame. Oh, yes. It's a 6.58, just a couple basis points off yeah. from where she's at. So, I, I put her in that same that's ballpark right. Absolutely. as Billy yeah. McFarland. And if you haven't listened to the Billy McFarland episode, go back and listen yeah. to it because he might be her kind of male counterpart. We are organically calibrating here, gentlemen. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Very 100%. Cool. I like that. I like awesome. that a lot. All right, we hope you guys enjoyed this show. As we've mentioned before, go check us out on all our social media platforms. Give us a like. Give us a follow. We definitely want to hear what you have to say. Uh, Shoot us a message. Let us know uh, some subjects that you think may be in our courtroom. And also check out our awesome fucking website, ahcpodcast.com. You can download all the shows. Check out all kinds of new posts and likes and all the, the good shit that you can get from there. We hope you enjoyed it. Be kind to one another, and we'll see you next time on Asshole Court.